welcome to And It's Writing, a tipsy writing podcast for one of our mini episodes. Every other Friday, you can also join us at 7.30 Eastern on Twitch for a live stream. To see the upcoming schedule, check out our website at anditswriting.com. That's one word, no spaces. I'm Avery Ames, writer of adult fantasy. And I'm DC McNaughton, speculative and historical fiction writer. So grab a drink, pop in your earbuds, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, so today we're going to talk about when you are writing a book, how you name things. People, places, occasions. (laughs) mystical artifacts this is this is more relevant probably in like speculative fiction sci-fi fantasy sometimes historical so in like a fantasy or sci-fi how do you name stuff oh my gosh (laughs) you know okay i have a lot to say about this oh my god (laughs) good because i don't have a whole lot mine is mostly just jumbling letters Okay, okay, so I have some jumbling letter stuff to talk about, and then I have some non-jumbling letter stuff to talk okay. about. So, as far as not jumbling letters, okay, so, uh, stay away from Dwarvish, first of all, okay? Like, if it sounds Dwarvish, <laughs> just don't do it. It's super campy. Um, but- I will say, my I, I am a little more thoughtful than jumbling letters, but I am closer to that, <laughs> I think, than you are. Yeah, honestly, like- so I'm a real kind of a kind of a fucking stickler about this because like I have a couple projects in in my in my closets that you know they all come from a different place. And mm-hmm. the one thing I hate when I when I'm reading a book and there's like these names of stuff. It there is a we have I like to think at least most people or at least some people, I don't know how rare what I have is, but it's like this inherent lexicon it's like if i can i can tell when something doesn't sound like it's from mm-hmm. a culture so if i am reading your book from where wherever the fuck like yeah. it takes place on a planet you know twenty thousand light years from here i want the things that you've named to sort of feel like they're part of the same language and mm-hmm. you know it is really it's really hard to do unless you've done some language study which I do. Yeah. Like I, I am very much into learning different languages. I, I spend some time on Duolingo every week. You know, I, I do things that sort of like open my mind to different cultures. Um, you know, I go to you know restaurants where I don't understand the menu, and I like I, I try to you know, and and generally like after a while, you start to notice that you know there, th- there's like this internal mm-hmm. lexicon. You can look at something, even a word you don't know, and be like, ah that's hungarian that's a hungarian Uh word i can tell it sounds like a hungarian word and it's true like you know this is how language is built and if there is a something going on in your book and i just can't you know my suspension of disbelief is 100 percent reliant on if your two things from this world sound like they go in the same culture because if they don't i'm not interested like this is bullshit like Mm -hmm. i think there's there's a thing called phonemes which is like the tiniest element of language. So like in English, we have weird, the the most cobbled together mess of languages. So we have a lot of weird stuff, but like we have the PH that makes the F noise. That is a phoneme. Mm-hmm. And so certain languages use certain phonemes and some don't. Mm-hmm. So in languages like Japanese, a lot of the phonemes have a consonant and a vowel sound together. So various languages have certain letters that just don't appear together or commonly appear together. And that's a phoneme. And that's, that's, I think what you're pinging on, not you specifically, but like general you. Right. 
it's what my inherent like ability to do this is is sort of yeah yeah people are yeah subconsciously going well in that language you don't usually have like a t and a z next to each other Mm -hmm. i actually took a class in college called psychology of language nice that sounds like fun I took this class and the, one of the very first day, the first exercise they did was they gave us a piece of paper. It had a bunch of random words on it. And they were like, pick which of these could be English words. None of these are actually English words. But pick which of these could be an English word. And there would be one that had like a T-Z-X-C-I in it or something. And you're like, well, that's not a, a combination that happens in English. So you'd click no. And they'd be like, yeah, this is, you know, a certain other language. Uh, but then there'd be a word like perflagal. And you'd be like, well, that could be English because all the the, the words, the, the letters mm -hmm. that go together go together in a way that makes sense in English. It's like when you're sitting at the Scrabble board and you're like, you've got all these words <laughs> and you're like, wait, is this a word? Like, could this be a word? Because it sounds like it's a word, even yeah. though it's not, because you're picking up on the the English sort of phonemes. Like, you're like, is, is Kapiraga a word? Yeah. Can I play that? Like, and you know, you don't know why you're thinking that, but yeah. it's just because it is, it feels natural for the certain letters to go together. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and so I, I actually do when I joke about just shuffling around letters and I said, I get a little more detailed than that. That's what I do. I actually pick like phonemes and collection, like ways that words go together for a link fantasy language in my book. And I don't go full Tolkien. I don't make like an entire language. Uh, we're not Dothrakiing this, but we are going, okay, well, this language in this book, and I cheat, especially in the Cambiari series, I kind of pick like a corollary language and kind of mm. steal some of their phonemes and I'll mm -hmm. fiddle with it a little bit. So I'm not just like straight up doing it, but like Sorel's yep. native language is basically fantasy French. So it's not, it's like fantasy French light. So it doesn't go into the full, <laughs> like you know h-e-a-u-x but there's a lot of like e-l-l-e's and stuff like that in there and so yeah i i do do that some to an extent but i try to make sure that i am not appropriating a specific language and or mimicking a specific language don't appropriate do we want to talk about real quick what that is yes we probably should yeah what you don't want to do is make like fake fantasy x language especially i mean don't do it ever but especially if the language is from a place that is predominantly people of color, that is predominantly indigenous, that was colonized, any of those things do not like basically steal their language and make a, essentially a mimicry of it, a mockery of it. Yeah. So like ripping off that, like if you do like want to look, let's just say you, you like a certain part of the language. You just do. You don't, you can't explain why, you just do. What I would suggest is looking, like, really do some research about it, about those, these phonemes, about, like, what makes the language, like, what, what is it about it that, that's really making you like it? Like, like, ask yourself that. Is it, is it, is it the culture? Is it, you know, you, you really have to dissect what you like as a person and, and also, you know, do it while respecting that language that culture because if you don't because some of those some of the things in the words for instance might actually relate to the culture itself and you mm -hmm. want to make sure that you know about those things that you respect those things and that you do not necessarily take 
like those things away and bastardize it in Mm -hmm. some other different thing that really doesn't have anything to do with culture at all. I think digging deep into like, like you said about why you like the language going, you know, I like a language that is very tonally based, or I like a language that has a lot of glottal stops and those kinds of sounds in it that we don't get a lot of in specifically English and saying, I want to explore languages that do these things that English doesn't do. Yeah. And and building your language, just going, we're going to incorporate these things that English doesn't have rather than incorporating elements of an existing language wholesale. Exactly. So like if a, if a language has like a rhythm that you like, how can mm-hmm. you integrate a rhythm like that into what you're doing? Like, and, and come up with something, like make yourself a little word document that says, okay, I've discovered that the reason why I like X language is because it's got this cadence to it that no other language has. Uh, French does that mm-hmm. a lot. The French has a cadence to it. And and like fin, Finland, for instance, they, their language has a lot of uh, vowels. So it's very sing-songy almost. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like a lullaby. Everything they say is very, you know, and, and so you're like, okay, I, I like these things. Now let's come up with a a system for me using that in in my world. But, you know, do your research. Make sure that the things that you do like about the language are coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like always research what you're doing. Like even if you're just you're borrowing something, research it fully so you know. Because like, oh, so for instance, oh my god, this happens all the time with people who get super into like um, Norwegian and Viking languages. Mm-hmm. Um, do your research because the thing is, is a lot of those symbols and those words and and okay. First of all, I am super into Vikings. I am very much into that area of the world. I really do hate that, you know, Nazi symbols have come from this. Yeah. Uh, like lots of people use these symbols as a as a means of hate, which blows uh, because of the culture itself. And that's like, that's a really good example of what it looks like to use somebody else's cultures to do something else. Yeah. It's not great. And you really want to make sure you're doing the research to make sure that you're not going to find yourself in a pit as a tattooed person. Like I find a lot of people love the runes and then they always get the runes that are associated with Nazis. They haven't actually done the research and yeah, it's a shame that this has happened, but it's true. It's true. And it has happened. And now you have a Nazi symbol on your body. So you make sure to do your research and just, just have an air of respect when you do it. Um, do we want to, since we kind of talk about spec, specfic and kind of lifting and creating your own languages, do you want to very briefly talk about how you name things in something like a historical? Oh my gosh. Which I think the gist is just research. Research. <laughs> research gotta, a lot. You gotta research. Like, you gotta research names. You gotta research. You gotta get into it. Like, mm-hmm. you gotta know what, like, olding, if you're writing, uh, for, like, I had a historical fiction that I was going to start working on, you know, and I had to come up with names for all these dogs. And one of, you know, one of the characters was from England and the other character was a nook. So, like, I had to be really careful. Like, I'm a white person. And so I had to do shitloads of research to make sure that any names that he did come up with or either of these characters came up with fit the time period. They didn't hurt the language. They didn't hurt, you know, slander the culture. Like, you know, I had to, you have to be very careful. And people come from these backgrounds. You have to do the fucking research. That's just how it is. One other thing I want to kind of just put a real quick note on is if you are going to do something like for the aesthetic, again, just kind of do some research to make sure that you're not like doing something. Because, there, for example, the thing that brought this up is there are some languages 
that have never been written in like Roman letters. So we've had to come up with like a way to translate mm -hmm. them. And because of that, a lot of these have Roman letters that make different sounds than they do in English. Uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Muskogee Creek uh, because I have done some studies mm -hmm. in that um, because that's where my family history is. And I've, I've tried to learn it. It's very hard to learn a language that is so not based in like Latin languages, which is what I'm used mm -hmm. to without somebody to practice it with. So it's very hard, but there are letters that make different noises. They have different sounds. So like the V is an uh noise. It's not a V. So if you're doing that in your book, make sure that you've thought out like the rules for your language instead of just doing it because it like looks cool. Like don't just go slapping umlauts on things because they, you think they look neat. <laughs> Give your language as many as, as many rules as your magic system yeah. has. Like if your magic system is detailed as hell, make your language system detailed as hell too. That's what I have. You know, yeah. I have a I have a document that says this is what my language is allowed to do, and this is what it isn't allowed to do. Mm -hmm. And it definitely doesn't sound like this, and it looks like this. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. If you find yourself like not having a very good eye or ear for this sort of thing, and like making it up on your own, and you need some hard inspiration that comes from something that's actual. Uh, as far as adapting a language from one to another, uh, check out English versus Old English. Uh, people used to speak Old English, and now it is English. And boy, are they different. Um, but they are the same. They're very much the same. And like, dude, it is so cool the amount of inspiration you can find just looking at Old English versus you know current English. It is so interesting to see how many things changed, and also how many things didn't. There are some things that are just like, wow. Like, you haven't changed a bit. Like, I just was looking up real quick before I forgot a resource for people to look up, and I'll put it in the show notes later, is www.vulgarlang.com, V-U-L-G-A-R, which is not what it sounds like. <laughs> it's a conlang generator. So conlang is constructed language. So it's like Tolkien's Elvish. It's like Dothraki. It's like any language that that is made up. Or a, a Klingon is one of the most popular conlangs. Vulgar is a constructed conlang generator for fantasy writers and role players create unique languages. And what it does is it just kind of gives you like your your phonemes and your your language rules. Um, here's the cool. sounds you can have. Here's the sounds you can't have. It's a random generator. Um, it gives you kind of pronunciation guides, and then you make up the words. And it, so it's kind of a good way to start with that, picking your phonemes and stuff like that. It's an interesting place Pretty to cool. play around. I that's an, that's interesting. Ah, the internet can do so many wonderful things now. <laughs> How strange! What a strange. But yeah, I think that's basically kind of most of my top my thoughts on the topic. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, that's it. Okay, well, I think that'll do it for this episode then. So every other Friday, you can join us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for the live stream. And to see the upcoming schedule, you can check out our website at anditswriting.com. And a reminder that if you heard anything in the episode that interested you, please check out the show notes for links or information. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.